Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. And Jay, it's good to talk to you again, buddy. And, you know, we have a really uh, awesome behind the line or behind enemy lines episode to share with everybody today. Yeah, man. Good to be back. As always, we appreciate the support from everybody. Yeah, as you said, man, we continue our streak of having on people from, you know, the opposing team on behind enemy lines. One of the few promises we've been able to hell, uh, to hold to knock on wood in terms of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, we had some interesting guests on, which, you know, you'll introduce and all of that good stuff. But glad to be back and glad to be talking some football despite how week five went. Yeah, you know, it's always nice to get to this part of the week here, Jay, where we get to talk to the guests and kind of just leave the previous game in the past. So we're, of course, going to get that get to that here in just a moment. Uh, before we do, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Of course, if you're enjoying the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as any comments. Jay and I absolutely love le- reading those. So thank you so much to everybody who has done that so far. Of course, we're also available along with Apple Podcasts on Spotify, Google Play, stitcher luminary and tune in you can find us at believe.com and at believe podcast you can tweet the show at believe in jags pod you can find myself at phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o and jay is over at sports grind underscore dawn and as always jay want to give a special shout out to betonline.ag they help bring you guys this show each and every single week at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts but without being said jay let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Big Cat from Honolulu Blue Podcast. All right, folks, time to go behind enemy lines with the Detroit Lions here on the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. And this week we have a very special guest. We have Big Cat from the Honolulu Blue Podcast. So, Cat, thanks so much for joining us. Jay and I had an opportunity to hop on your show and naturally wanted to return the favor. So how are you doing? We hope that you know, wherever you're at, you're safe and healthy as, as well. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, guys, and thank you for coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to talking about the Lions-Jaguars this weekend. Yeah, man, absolutely. So let's go ahead and get right into it here. Uh, Jay, I'll go ahead and take the first question, and then we'll just kind of um, go back and forth from there. So, uh, you know, I feel like the Lions, at least just kind of looking through Twitter and seeing how some of the reactions are, it's, it's kind of very similar to how Jaguar fans feel about Doug Marone. So, you know, these are two coaches that appear to be on the hot seat. Do you think a loss to the Jags who were, you know, of course not playing very well would maybe result in Matt Patricia being relieved of his duties as head coach there in Detroit? Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting question because we go back and forth on our podcast, trying to figure out, you know, when's the right time. And uh, Martha Ford, the old owner of the Detroit Lions, now she's handed that down to her daughter, uh, Sheila Hampford. Last offseason, they had a mandate. They sent a letter to all the, the season ticket holders saying, we will be playing competitive games in December. And if not, we're going to end up changing regimes. So, you know, week five and or week six now, I'm sorry. It, it's I'm not sure if you can 
you can say that, hey, yep, they're not going to be playing competitive games in December. My opinion is I think if you lose the Jaguars, I think at that point it's over. But the perception that that would give off to, you know, potentially the next head coach, if we do fire Matt Patricia in week six, you know, you told this guy he had to play meaningful games in December. You can't absolutely rule that out at this point, especially looking at the Lions schedule going ahead. So my opinion, yeah, I think if he loses the Jaguars the weekend, he's done, but I don't think they'll actually do that. Yeah, and we like we just talked with you about here over on your show, you know, uh, I think ultimately we at least far as far as Jacksonville goes for any of the fans that are listening on our end, I do think that Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell both at least finish out the year. Now, what happens when it comes to, you know, the Black Monday that everybody talks about is kind of up in the air, but we'll definitely see. It's, it's been interesting to watch over there because you see all of these Belichick guys going out and having varying degrees of success. And, you know, you were just, you, know, you, you have now what's been going on in Detroit. So it's interesting to hear that they had sent that message out to uh, to fans because that's a that's a strong statement to make. You know what I mean? That's something I would be really surprised to, to see from Shad Khan here, Jay. I don't know if I've ever really heard of something like that yeah man I, when he was saying that i was like whoa i wish Shot Khan would give us a little bit more certainty <laughs> <laughs> like that but um and yeah yeah he makes a good point though um uh, big cat does about the competitive thing is you know it's kind of hard to tell if you know you'll be competing late now because they also added that uh extra playoff slot so you know it, it's teams that can slide in there that could be under 10 wins or whatever the case may be so it is kind of hard to tell right now uh but you know like my worry would be just personally with the jaguars losing to three straight winless teams you know like i would think the fours can make a, a good case to say okay like we've seen enough like it, it's just time to move on but again you know big cat knows the team way better than us but you know i was just thinking hypothetically I kind of agree with that that as well. I mean, it is tough because the way the Lions have lost these games have been non-competitive ways. So you may be able to extrapolate that out and say, you know what, if we end up taking a 14-point lead on Sunday and we blow it again, you know, that for me, I think I think Martha Ford and Sheila Ford Amp, they can, they can point to that and go, okay, this is not going to work. And we've seen it four times already in five games that we've played. So, I, I mean, if it happens like that, I could see it happening. If it's a close, you know, knockdown, drag out battle, I don't think it'll happen, but. I think, yeah, it could be, it could get ugly. So uh, to our next question, and I, I love to ask this one because I'm a UGA fan, Big Matthew. That's why I left it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil is a guy that's from Texas where Matthew Stafford is from as well. So I'm sure he knows a great deal about Matthew Stafford as well. But, uh, you know, he's been a hit topic this season. And we want to know, could you discuss like how he's looked this season? Because like, a lot of people are saying he hasn't looked good. And then some people have been like, he's okay and so on and so forth. So we want to hear it from somebody who actually covers the team and, and hear your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually a Georgia fan too. I know I'm from Michigan, but I made a deal with my wife. She was not a Lions fan. She was not from Michigan that, you know, someday for potential future children, if she agrees to be a Lions fan, I'll root for whatever college team she wants me to root for. <laughs> She's a Georgia fan. So I've been a Georgia fan since I've been married to her. Um, you know, Matt Stafford's been frustrating this year. He's a guy we talk about on our podcast about historically he's been the reason we win and he has not been the reason we lose. He's not been contributing to these losses. And sometimes he makes mistakes, but they're mistakes that he's trying to win the game on. What you're seeing this year is, you know, last year he left, uh, missed half the season with a back injury. Kind of looked like he was knocking some rust off the first couple games, but he's just mentally not there is, is our big concern. We have a quarterback that played at Western Michigan on our podcast breaking down Matt Stafford's play every week. And 
he's asked the question a couple times, like, does Matthew Stafford know how to run a two-minute drill? And, you know, obviously he does, and he, he's proven he can do that. But this year especially, he's taken sacks in a two-minute drill. He's, he's taken sacks that are knocking us out of field goal range. He's making throws, I mean, against Green Bay in week two. We're on the eight-yard line, and he's throwing a timing out route, and it's a pick six. And it's like, what is he doing? So it's been frustrating for us as Lions fans. You know, I've watched the tape, and I'm looking at his footwork, and his footwork looks like it's regressed from last season. I don't know if he absolutely trusts TJ Hawkinson yet. You know, we you spend the number eight overall pick, and I mean, you'd hope that you're building that trust with him. But he seems to be leaning towards Danny Amendola. You know, Amendola's an old man right now, and he's not getting separation. He's not making big plays. It's good to have Galladay back, but in a limited capacity, it seemed. So, you know, Galladay's going to be a little bit more removed from the injury on Sunday, going up against potentially C.J. Henderson, a rookie, maybe welcome to the NFL moment for him. It'll be interesting on Sunday. I'm frustrated with Stafford. I think, you know, I've got four games, kind of like a preseason, knocking that rust off. So for me, this is the big decision point. Is it rust or have we seen a a regression in Matthew Stafford? Well, going to provide some fantasy news for uh, our fans today. And it's because you mentioned TJ Hawkinson. And I think when I did the, uh, you know, just looking at the Lions and kind of doing a mental scouting report, I think he led the team in uh, receiving. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have not been good against tight ends. So if you guys thought there was a questionable relationship between Hawkinson and Stafford, it'll probably get fixed this week. Right now, this week, yep. The Jaguars, oh, my God, they have been bad. And just under Todd Wash in general, not even just this year, but beyond that, they've been bad against tight ends. Uh, Last week, they led up a 44-yard touchdown reception to Darren Fells of the Texans. And I think Darren Fells uh, is a guy that's like over the age of 30, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, this is a guy that got behind the defense somehow, and it looks like just it was a miscue in coverage. I have to go back and look at that. But then before that – they let, uh, was it John o. Smith feel good? I was just about to bring up John and Smith. So I would say if you want to bring back something over to, to your guys, cat, go watch the Titans Jags game and watch how John o. Smith just ate up this defense. So like Jay said, if there's anything going on, you'll find out this week because he'll be open. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, in terms of the tight end, I think Hawkinson might end up with a hundred yards, but you know, that's neither here or neither there, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, So, Phil, yeah, I'll let you take on the next question. Yeah, we'll actually get into Hawkinson here in, in just a moment because he's definitely a guy. Well, because he was a guy that was a name that was thrown around as far as who the Jaguars might draft just last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him here in a moment. Uh, you know, of course, both teams struggling here in terms of the Jags and the Lions. You know, of course, our audience kind of knows what's been going on here. But from a Lions perspective, what do you think have been the biggest factors behind y'all's poor start? They're just unable to close out games. I mean, you look at week one, you have a 17-point lead going into the uh, the, fir- the fourth quarter there. And I can't remember the stat. It was like 779-0 and 0 teams with a 17-point lead going into the fourth quarter. The Lions are the, the one loss now uh, to the Chicago Bears. Week two, you go up, uh, you score you know, 14-3 in the first quarter against the Packers, lose that game. You know, week three against the Cardinals, it, it looked better. I thought schematically uh, Matt Patricia didn't outsmart himself, and we were rushing to contain a mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray. Uh, made some big plays, a couple interceptions there, made Kyler Murray look pretty rough to win the game. I'm starting to think the tide's turning a little bit. You go to week four against the Saints, and they're down like seven of 11 starters on defense. They're getting woken up in the middle of the night before the game for COVID testing. We go up 14 to nothing on the first two drives, pick Drew Brees off on his first pass, still lose the game. So for the Lions, the big issue is finishing. 
and we have not been able to finish. So I almost don't want to jump out on a lead with you guys. I want you guys to be up like 14 nothing to start the game because <laughs> that scares me less than us being up 14 nothing. So if I had to really drill it down, I think it's Matt Patricia not keeping his foot on the pedal uh, when it comes to the defense, getting after the quarterback, and then offensively, if it's first and 10, we're running the football, guys. I challenge you on Sunday to check that out and see if we actually throw the ball on a play-action pass on first and 10. It doesn't happen, and we just get into that that rut of run, run, pass, punt once we get a lead, and it's super frustrating. Yeah, I can – I mean, it's kind of hard to speak on that, Jay, because we haven't really had any leads this year, so there we, you can't blow the lead if you never have one, I guess is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. But, uh, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to keep uh, to keep an eye on that um, because from the outside looking at NJ, you and I have talked about Matthew Stafford just to kind of go back to the last question here over the last couple of years as the argument can be made, even just looking at the numbers as is. But if Matthew Stafford wins a Super Bowl, he's got Hall of Fame numbers, man. And I and we talked about this on your show, uh, Kat. You know, I think he's going to have a, a, a really solid game and I think they're going to have the opportunity to to play from ahead again. So, well, I guess we'll just see if they have the ability to to close it out for sure. So I think the only thing. Yeah, you're right. Matthew Stafford's missing is a playoff win, you know. We have one playoff win in the Super Bowl era, 1991, and you know we've had guys like Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, these franchise elites, these franchise greats, guys that you know Calvin and Barry. Calvin should be inducted this year. Barry is in the Hall of Fame, and Matthew Stafford, like you're saying, the only thing he's missing is this is these playoff wins, this championship. So, incredibly frustrating for us up north. Yeah, I think even even that, even a couple playoff wins, I, I think would would be enough because he's putting up. Jay, you and I talk, like I said, talk about this all the time. He puts up, has put up ridiculous numbers, man. So, um, you know, of course, you know, Matthew Stafford's tied a little bit to, uh, you know, maybe it's more so the uh, the past of the Lions. But looking towards the future, Jay, I know we have a couple of guys we want to ask about. Yeah, before I do that, actually, I want to ask uh, Big Cat this question, too, on Matthew Stafford. Uh, do you see him on the team next year? Because a lot of people have made a lot of fuss of that. And, like, you know, teams trying to move on. Or, or should I say uh, the Lions trying to move on from him? Yeah, so that's a great question. That is something that uh, Lions fans this year that they were pounding the table to take uh, Tua Tagovailoa at number three overall. But looking at Matthew Stafford's contract and the way they've they've arranged his contract, they shifted some of his money into a into a bonus. His dead cap hit, and I'm trying to look it up right now. I think is like 28 million dollars next year, which is something that's you know it's really hard to swallow. And I know you guys talked about on on our podcast about the, the cap space that you guys would have if you're talking about bringing in a new coach potentially at the end of the year eating $28 million for Matthew Stafford to go play for somebody else. I think that's for me, I think that that's impossible, but I, you know, I could also see it happening where the new regime says, Hey, we're, we're gutting it and we're done and we're moving on because it, it's hard to replace Matthew Stafford. Um, if, if Matthew Stafford's playing, he's going to win you five or six games a year. And that's going to keep you out of that top five picks maybe. And you're not going to be able to get that top tier quarterback to replace him. Right, right. It was interesting to hear somebody's perspective that, again that covers the team because I just, I just wanted to hear you know somebody else's take. But besides, like the main media, like um, I think it's Detroit Press and uh, there's another site that I've been going to, Lions Wire, of course, too, with my comrades with USA Today. But um, uh, on to my question, which is uh, like Phil said, T.J. Hawkinson and Jeff Okuda, those seem to be like two of your younger ascending players. If you will, could you uh, talk about their development so far? Um, because they could really be pillars for this this franchise when you look at the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll talk about Hawkinson first since we've been talking about him a little bit. You know, you take a tight end at number eight overall in the NFL draft. The last guy to get picked that high was Vernon Davis. And, you know, Vernon Davis, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. So there's a lot of weight on this guy early. Um, you had Eric Ebron at number 10 overall to the Detroit in 2014. And a lot of the fans were upset because we took another tight end in the top 10. Uh, they're two totally different players. They couldn't be further apart. TJ Hawkinson is your traditional inline guy, but possesses the ability and the agility to move into the slot and, and, and win underneath. Last season, he, he got hurt, banged up, ankle injury, ended up not finishing the season. But And I know it's not fair to compare numbers across eras. His rookie stat line was almost exactly the same as Tony Gonzalez's rookie stat line. So I'm not super worried about that. Flash forward to 2020, and he's looked great. Uh, he's got, what, I think three receiving touchdowns this year so far. I'm sorry, two receiving touchdowns. He's 15 catches for 180 yards. He leads the team in receptions. It's frustrating for us as Lions fans to not see him used more, to see him featured more, you know, like uh, Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. We, he's not being used like that alpha tight end. And, and you know, with a guy like uh, Kenny Galladay being on the roster, it's hard to say TJ Hawkins is going to lead us in in targets this week. So the future is definitely bright for him. I'm looking forward to him growing from year two to year three and watching what he does the rest of the year. As far as Jeff Okuda, he was another one of those guys, you know, came on late that the Lions were rumored to be looking at taking C.J. Henderson at three, and that was interesting for me. So I'm actually I'm super excited to watch those two guys uh, play it out this week and then see which one looks better. But Okuda missed week one with an injury. You know, it's tough for a cornerback in the NFL to start out. You'd be a lump in the COVID offseason with no uh, training camp, no preseason for him to get right. He missed week one with that injury. And then his first three weeks, I mean, you're talking about Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins and luckily Michael Thomas was out. Or you're talking, I mean, that's a gauntlet to go through if you're a rookie cornerback. And so he's flashed at times, especially against Arizona. He looked pretty good uh, at times, big plays. He got his first career interception, but I think it's your typical rookie cornerback. And I mean, you guys, you guys experienced Jalen Ramsey and his greatness. I don't think he's there, but I think he definitely has the talent and the skills to ascend to that level. Yeah, you made a lot of good points. And one thing I want to point out for Hawkinson is he seems to have come from the breeding ground for tight ends. And if I'm not mistaken, he was, yeah, he was from Iowa. So, you know, that's something going in his favor, too, that uh, he could be like one of these uh, Iowa tight ends. water out there. Yeah, yeah, man. Just like, I don't know, like, you would know this because, again, you're a Georgia fan, but Georgia produces great running backs. So it's just something about that school and tight ends that make you feel kind of, uh, you know, confident in in taking the tight end from there, if you will. And and on Okuda, you're right. Me and Phil have made this argument for Henderson. Even if Henderson started out, which he did, started out hot, we knew he probably hit a a rough patch at some point because of what you said. And that's the you know this COVID off season that they didn't have a training camp. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially, are a team that typically they'll go to Tampa or somewhere nearby. And they'll have, uh, you know, joint practices and whatnot. So those were taken away as well, in addition to the four preseason games. And that concerned me about him, especially, again, like you said, when these young corners are coming into the league and they're facing, you know, these elite receivers and so on and so forth. That is always a concern. And, yeah, that is something that we share at Jazz Wire uh, with you all um, with in terms of uh, Okuda. Yeah, definitely a guy that we for sure wanted as well. Uh, Jay, we talk about the conference call that we were able to hop on 
uh, with Daniel Jeremiah during the draft process. And he had Jeff Okuda as the safest selection in terms of the defensive guys that were available. And we were talking about um, Okuda, Simmons, and then Derek Brown, I think, was the third name. So, uh, you know, we have high praise for him and excited to see, you know, hit between him and C.J. Henderson, how all of that plays out for sure. Uh, but this is we're going to move on to. Uh, our next question here, Kat, which is one of my favorite questions to ask every single week because it gives Jay and I an opportunity, a little bit of insight to learn more about the opposing team. So who is an under-the-radar player that could possibly help the Lions win this Sunday that maybe we don't really know about? And also, this is just the you're the second person we've ever gotten asked this question. We've just added it last week. Is there somebody from the Jags that you would like to pluck from our roster and place on yours? Yeah, so I'm going to kind of go a little boring with the under-the-radar player. Uh, Jonah Jackson's a guard we drafted in the third round from Ohio State, a Rutgers transfer. This guy's been phenomenal early on. And, I mean, last year the Lions had a, a guard rotation with Graham Glasgow, who ended up leaving in free agency, uh, signed a big contract to go play for the Denver Broncos. But those guard positions for us were very up in the air. We didn't know what we were going to do. And to be able to plug in a rookie and just – he's pro-ready. I mean, he started out the first uh, two games on the, at right guard – and then the big off-season acquisition of Halapuivati Vaitai nailed it. Um, he's coming back, so they kicked him into guard and moved Jonah Jackson. <laughs> they kicked him into guard and moved Jonah Jackson to the left side for games three and four, and he looked great there too. So he's a super under the radar player that I think can help out, especially on that left side. We talk about Josh Allen. Taylor Decker's pretty solid at tackle. I think. Josh Allen is going to get some, he's going to, I think he's going to get to the quarterback on Sunday. Taylor Decker is not elite. I think he's just slightly above average, but being able to get Jonah Jackson out in the run game, pound the rock, work up the middle of the field. Cause I know you guys are missing a little bit up the middle. You wish you had a little bit more on the defensive front on the interior. I think Jonah Jackson could be a guy that, that can really separate and, and make some stuff happen for us on Sunday. As far as picking a guy, I went through this and I was trying to get rid of my fantasy football mindset and all that, but the, I really like DJ Chark and what he brings. Uh, looking at our roster, you know, you got Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones is a bit older. Danny Amendola is super old. Quintez Cephas, our fifth-round pick, he's still raw. I really like DJ Chark, but I have to go with a pass rush because the Lions do not have any pass rush. So if you can just give me Josh Allen and we'll just call it a day. That's the guy <laughs> I want. We cannot get after the quarterback. The Lions last year were absolutely worst. The Number 32 in the NFL for pass rush trending that way again this year we cannot get after the quarterback it's making our cornerbacks look poor because they're having to cover for eight seconds it's just we need to get after the bastard so give me give me josh allen so jay i just want to point out that's now and of course even though it was on the other side it was on the other team second week in a row we've had a guest shout out an offensive lineman again that's how you know you have a good guest on because they know what they're talking about and how important those trenchers are um but yeah it's uh um that, that's definitely a good uh, that's a good one to know because uh, again somebody that i wasn't familiar with were you jay nah me either yeah so like he shed some light for me as well and then of course dj chark and and also josh i mean honestly between the between the both of them jay and i you know, bang the table in terms of uh, of DJ Chark getting his respect. Josh Allen is a little bit more well known because a lot of people were surprised that he dropped to us where, when you know when he did. And of course, he had a great rookie year. He's been struggling a bit this year, but as we talked about with with you, Cat, on your show, you know, it's it's really not necessarily all on him. And we've also talked about this, Jay, where if if the Jags figured that they were not going to be able to, I guess, make make amends with 
Yannick Ngakwe. They probably would have held on to Calais Campbell, but I mean, there's nothing they can do about it now. Um, but that's uh, those are some definitely some really good answers. Uh, I, I know a lot of teams would like to have Josh Allen as well, so we're really happy that we have him. So, but Jay, Jay if you want to get into the last one, and then we'll we'll let Kat get out of here. Yeah, in terms of y'all's guard, I'm not going to even try and say his name and butcher it, but I call him Big V. Yeah, Very impressive of how you hit that on the head, man. Very you got to say it to play that funky music, white boy. So it's Halapui Vati Vaitai, and it just kind of rolls off the tongue if you kind of sing that song in your head. Nice. Well, who who nice. was the guy that we had here, Jay? We had Chris Fu. Fu uh, uh, we, Fu. We had Fu. Remember <laughs> Remember the fullback? Yeah, I was about to just say Fu because I, I forgot like <laughs> his full name. But yeah, he was another name. Like the only reason you would know how to pronounce his name is like on Madden, especially because you back in the day, the Jazz used to have a lot of fullback dive type of plays in their, in their playbook. And that's how I learned how to say his name. But now all of a sudden it's, it's not coming off my tongue. It's it was fluid. Chris Fuamatu Maafala. There you go. That sounds hey, good enough. Look at that. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, so just as you all gave us on the uh, Honolulu Blue Podcast, I would like to ask you all as well, uh, how do you see the game going, Big Cat, and why do you feel that way? Well, I think you look at Gardner Minshew and getting the insight from you guys, talking about getting him off platform. I think that's something that Matt Patricia can do. I think you look at guys like Trey Flowers, Deshaun Hand, uh, Jamie Collins coming over in the offseason. Those guys getting after the passer a little bit. It's not going to be great, but I think it might be enough to move him off platform. I know DJ Chark looks like he's probably not going to play. It was a report I saw. I think he was a did not practice again today. Uh, I like LaVisca Chenault, but I don't think he alone can be the guy that can beat us. So we're banged up in the secondary, but if LaVisca Chenault's your number one, I think, I think we'll be able to neutralize that. I think the big key is going to be your pass rush against our offensive line. The winner of that, I think, wins the game. If you guys can get to Matthew Stafford a couple times, force us into some long, a third and dot, third and longs, I think that'll be uh, super helpful for you guys. Ultimately, what I think is going to happen is the Lions are going to be able to establish the run. They've been trying to do it all year. They've been sticking to it. I think they're going to be able to establish a run up the middle and, and be able to build that lead. I don't think it'll be a – I hope it's not a double-digit lead for for my sake or we're going to end up losing. I hope it's like a nine-point lead. And I think we end up holding it out, working it down. Guys like DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. Uh, I think a big game from TJ Hawkinson, something you'll see matched up in your guys' linebackers. I'm excited about it, uh, but I think it'll be I'm, – I'm, I'm going to go with 34-28. I do still think you'll put up points, but I think ultimately – It'll be kind of a late run. Maybe where it's like 34-21, you guys go down and score at the end of the game. That's no disrespect to you guys. That's just how I see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's that's actually a lot of that is what I said in our USA Today preview for the game. Uh, you mentioned names like Hand and Collins and, you know, the pass rushers they have. I do think, like you said, that Matt Tr- Matt Patricia can dial up enough of a game plan to kind of fluster Gardner Minshew uh, you know, get him dancing in the pocket where he's not as good and he's missing reads and so on and so forth. And I think like that ultimately could be what is the deciding factor in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I see it being close, as I said, in you all's podcast. And we're going to let you plug that in a minute so people can go listen to our predictions and what you guys had to say. Uh, but yeah, in the end, I think, yeah, this one is made for the Lions to win. What say you feel? Yeah, it's very similar to kind of where where I fell over over on y'all's show, and uh, 
You know, there, there's definitely not a lot of confidence in this team. But we said this when we were looking at the schedule, Jay, is who are the quarterbacks that they play? And even though, Kat, you talk extensively about how Matthew Stafford has kind of been struggling, one of the best ways to write that ship is playing against the Jaguars defense. And I think that's what's going to happen here, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we will definitely see how the game plays out. But that's all the questions we had for Big Cat. And hey, thank you so much for, for coming on. Let everybody know, of course, where they can find not only your work, but also the podcast, as well as, you know, all of your uh, your colleagues over there at Honolulu Blue. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the guys over there, Dylan, Ben, Stefan over at the Honolulu Blue Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Honolulu Blue Pod. I write uh, for a fantasy football website called Yards Per Fantasy. You can find them on Twitter at Yards Per. Um, big fantasy football guys, so go check that out, if you will. Uh, guys, again, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show and help out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Jay, is there anything else you wanted to ask our guests before we let him get out of here? No, nah, he he pretty much hit everything on the head for us. Uh, good job on on his part. And, uh, yeah, we definitely got to have you back on, Nate, uh, in the future, which, I mean, the Jaguars and the Lions don't really play each other much. I think it's been six times that I counted, and they're three and three. Uh, just a little insight to throw out there against each other. But whenever – that time is when we see the Lions again. We'll be glad to have you on, man. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it, guys. All right, guys. So, again, shout out to Big Cat from the Honolulu Blue Podcast. We had an opportunity to also hop on their show this past week as well. So make sure you go check that out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, right there at the end of that interview, we – We always implore you guys to go check out some of these other shows because there's so many people out there, so many content creators putting out content about the teams who they love and just like we're doing here. And, um, you know, it's always really fun to connect with other fan bases. So, uh, Jay, we're going to wrap up here in just a moment. Do you have any final thoughts in terms of this game? I think we kind of both fell kind of similarly in terms of where we think it's going to play out. I guess right now we can give our predictions on how the game is going to end as well. So, yeah, I mean, we pretty much said what, you know, we clean the slate, so to speak, or say everything there is to say about this game and how we feel about it. Yeah, so in terms of a prediction, um, for those of you who can pick up a USA Today paper and who have pick up, picked up the latest edition of USA Today Sports, y'all probably already saw how I felt on the matter. But I think it's going to be close. It's going to hold close to the spread, which I think is like three points. Um, of course, that can change in the week as spreads do. But, um, you know, I think that's about right where it's at. And I believe that, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars will end up losing this one, albeit they do definitely have the ability, just as they have with all of their games, to win this one. So it wouldn't be shocking to see them win this one. But, you know, they've never been really able to put together a complete game on both sides of the ball. Uh, When the offense shows up, the defense doesn't show up. And when the defense doesn't show up or when the defense shows up, the offense uh, doesn't show up and uh, so on and so forth. Or then you might even have a special teams blunder where they don't show up as well. You never know with this team. So uh, with that being the case and how Matt Patricia operates in the pass rushes they have, they can kind of fluster Gardner Minshew and kind of move him off of his mark. I'm not saying they are a elite defense by any means, but, you know, with the, you know, the things we're seeing with Gardner Minshew in the pocket, I think, you know, the guys they have, Jamie Collins, um, Hand, um, and then some others in that pass rush repertoire that can kind of move him around and get him flustered and maybe cause him to miss some reads. And then also, when you take into account that DJ Chark might not play, that might not help the Jaguars at all because we've seen how they look without uh, DJ Chark. So when you take all of that into account, I got the Lions winning at TIAA Bankfield and the Jags return home 
and I got the score at 27 to 24. Yep. Not really much else to say there, Jay. You know, we, we talked about it with Kat where we talked about the match or the uh, connection between Stafford and Hawkinson. I think that's something they're going to exploit. I guarantee you that Matt Patricia and his staff have put on that Tennessee Titans tape and looked at how the Titans utilize Jonu Smith. And that's exactly how they're going to utilize TJ Hawkinson. I think it's going to be a problem. Uh, I know Miles Jack is set to, I believe he was a full participant in practice here today. Of course, we, we should get CJ Henderson back. And then, you know, with, with DJ Shark possibly being out, you know, just a couple of weeks ago when we played the Dolphins, the wide receiver group was kind of exposed. We had come, come into the season thinking the wide receivers were going to be a huge, you know, plus in terms of this team. And then DJ Chark went down and they were completely absent. So between all of that, I see it going down in a similar fashion. I had, uh, I said this over on the Honolulu Blue Show, I have the Jaguars falling to the Lions 31-24. But again, when you have a team that has had an you know, difficulty closing out games. You really never know what happens, what, what could happen, as Kat alluded to there. But, you know, the Jaguars have this affinity of making bad teams look good. And whether or not the Lions are a bad team necessarily maybe remains to be seen. But they definitely, I think, will look better here against Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. As you said, um, one thing to watch here in this game, though, is the potential to come back to. And that kind of reminds me of, you remember that Raiders game last year where they came back from behind? I think the uh right at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if the Lions lost it, that it'll be in a similar fashion to that Raiders game type of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm sure Lions fans would not like that and it wouldn't look good on the uh the record of Matt Patricia either. So uh, we will see how things pan out. But that being said, Jay, another great episode of Believe in the Jaguars here. Again, big shout out to Big Cat and everybody over at the Honolulu Blue Podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Jay, we're going to get out of here, but is there anything else you want to let the uh, listeners know before we head into this week of games? Nah, we'll just be keeping you guys uh, in on the content on the Lions, got behind enemy lines as well for the Jaguars Wire with Jeff Risden coming up tomorrow. Um, I've already sent his uh, questions, so we'll get those up in the morning or something like that. I will, you know, look at some keys to watch of the game and so on and so forth and put that up on Jaguars Wire. But pretty much that's it. But um, as usual, we appreciate the listens, the, the support, uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, talk about a happy ending. Then again, me and Phil, for the sake of draft positioning, don't know if we <laughs> want that either. Uh, but, you know, that's the life of a Jazz fans. We always conflicted with what we want. So uh, whatever the outcome is, we will be back on the Believe in Jazz podcast on Monday, Tuesday, uh, whatever day me and Phil can iron out. That's right, you guys. And before we get out of here again, if you are enjoying the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop that five-star review if you can. Uh, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Again, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Thank you guys so much for listening to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We certainly believe, and we hope you do too. We will see you next time, guys.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.